Uh, you guys, just briefly, in case you ever want to, I don't ever pull this stuff out, but we can set it on the counter. A lot of our missionary friends send us like greetings and Christmas cards and little newsletters. And so if you're interested, I'll leave those in the table there in the kitchen, but feel free to, to, to look those over and just see what's going on with some of our missionary friends. All right, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to be there today, and as well we'll be there next Sunday too. Um, next Sunday, I think I probably have spoken from the passage before, but it is one of the most encouraging passages to me in the whole Word of God. So there's your thing. Don't miss next Sunday. But today, we're going to look at this living Word, the living Word. And the Lord already has just encouraged me just studying and getting ready for this. So I hope that you will hear what the Lord has for all of us today. All right. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 through 13. And the title of the message is Working for Rest. Seems kind of contradictory, doesn't it? Working for rest with the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 King James says this, Let us there labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight." But all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. If you guys will remember just a little bit last week, we began to look at this idea of pursuing God's rest. And we saw that you enter God's rest through faith and you fail to enter God's rest through unbelief. And we had the before us example, we'll see it again later in the book of Hebrews, of the children of Israel, right? They're in the wilderness. They have been delivered from the plagues. They've been delivered from the death angel. They've been delivered from the Red Sea. They've been fed, and yet they do not believe. They still tempt God with their complaining, their whining. They don't trust him. And so they will end up wandering, and they will not enter into his rest because of their unbelief. So we have that push. So last week, if you'll remember, uh, the push was that we must encourage each other. And so I was really harping on you, and I hope that there was somebody last week that you were challenged to encourage. And if not, I'm going to just hit the up here again today. If you weren't here last week, think about who can I encourage this very week. Again, maybe you could take someone out as simple as go out to McDonald's or get a coffee or go out to dinner. Or maybe you just go spend some time together and talk. Take a walk. Go for a run. All right? Send them a text. Give them a phone call. Whatever. Reach out to someone. Encourage them in their faith walk. Because what happens is along the way, we all run into those walls and barriers. And if we don't have people lifting us up, it's easier to fall. So one of the ways that we make sure that we enter God's rest is to encourage each other. And that was our focus last week. Well, this week, our encouragement is we need to let the Word of God do its work in our heart. This is so good if you'll, if you'll hear it today. This is for the preacher to start off with today. And I was so challenged. This is Henry Nowen. And this is his quote. He says, In recent years, I have become increasingly aware of the dangerous possibility of making the Word of God sensational. Just as people can watch 
spellbound, a circus artist tumbling through the air in phosphorized costume so they can listen to a preacher. He uses the word of God to draw attention to himself. But a sensational preacher stimulates the senses and leaves the spirit untouched. Instead of being the way to God, his being different gets in the way. (laughs) So my challenge to me today is to avoid, I don't want to be lazy or lackadaisical, but I don't want to get the way of God's word. And here's my promise to you today. If you'll let God's word go forth, it will do its work. Do you believe that today? That's what we need to do. We need to get God's word out there where it will do its work. And I hope that you will hear that today. All right, we look again in verse 11 and we see this idea, this key point here is that we need to labor to enter into rest. (laughs) It's like you have to work to get rest. And if you've ever been through a a restless night, you know what it means then. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to work so I can set aside time that I will be able to get the rest I need. The rest we're speaking of here is eternal rest. This is a rest that is what we usually would call heaven. And so what we even talked about in our little Sunday school class with my middle schoolers today was that we don't earn our way into God's favor or his rest. We don't work our way into it, but because of what he's done, we have to work that we would follow through. So it's not the source of the salvation, but it is the fruit of it. And that's what you see here. And again, last week we learned that one of the big ways that we enter into God's rest was to encourage each other. But here what I want to focus on this morning is this idea that God's word will help us keep us on the course. God's word will help you labor to enter his rest. Look down at verse 12. For the word of God is living and it's active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So the first thing I want you to see here, the scripture says that the Bible or the word of God, his truth, it is quick. What does it mean to be quick? Is it saying it's fast? Have you ever heard someone say they were cut to the quick? Ah, right? They were cut to where the living spot was. Oh, and it really got you. The word of God is alive. And you, you may talk of some living documents, right? We talk about our constitution being a living, breathing document, but no document is alive like the word of God. We've seen it recently in the book of Isaiah where something that was written over 2,700 years ago speaks to people today and now. And even when we think of some famous books and some famous documents, how good that they are, they are nothing compared to the Word of God, which is relevant since its creation. It is alive. It is a living Word that's different in any other book in this way. God speaks, and it is pertinent to 2020. You believe that? You guys, we see it, especially as I get older, you see it. I've seen people on Facebook putting stuff out like this, you know, where they're like, you know, um, well, the, the, the Bible just doesn't apply to today. It's just, it's out of date. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but this book has been on track, on key, on point 
for almost 3,000 years now. And it will be on point until the Lord comes back. Let it speak. That's why it's alive. If you will let it speak to you, it will transform you. It will change you. It breathes the breath of God. It is inspired by the breath of God, as Timothy says in 2 Timothy 3.16. I kind of laugh about the relevance of things. Sometimes people are like, oh, this isn't relevant. Wendy and I have had this conversation lately. There was a time in our life when we were first married and we would like to watch award shows, like maybe the Academy Awards or the Grammys or whatever. And then our parents, we'd try to talk to them about that. And we would talk about this musician or this actress or this movie star. And our parents had no clue like who they even were. And we're like, oh, you're so out of it. You're so, you don't understand what's going on. And now what's happening is our kids are trying to talk to us about these people. <laughs> and there'll be somebody on a commercial. And it's like, well, who is that even? I don't know who that person is at all. Why should I listen to what they, oh, that's so-and-so. Didn't you know they have the most money, the most records sold, the most whatever. And it's, it's funny how we cycle in and out of things that are in style and in fashion, right? Your preacher, of course, if you notice, I still wear pants with the flaps like this. I'm still stuck in like the 1980s, Okay. Because I'm, I'm not a stylish person. But I will tell you today, the word of God is never out of date. Never. Because it's alive. And it will cut you to the quick if you will let it. Styles and fashions fade and recycle. But God's word is alive right now. And right now, this word can help you as you labor to enter God's rest. This is from Paul Myers. And it's about Gideon's. And it's so good. One winter morning in San Diego, after I had wandered many miles along the waterfront, in a daze, I turned my steps wearily toward my hotel room. I had been drinking heavily for weeks. My mind was tortured by the thoughts of the wife and the four children whom I had deserted. Just yesterday, it seemed, I had been a radio executive in charge of two radio stations in Los Angeles. The home in which we live, Beverly Hills, the cars, the servants, the things money and social position can provide for a man and his family were just a memory. I had dragged my family down with me until they were living in a little hovel, and then I had deserted them. I had suffered a complete nervous breakdown, and worst of all, I had completely lost my voice. For a year and a half, I had not been able to speak one word aloud. Each effort to talk was just a whisper. The future held no promise. I opened the door of my hotel room and flung myself into the chair in utter despair, and my gaze fell upon a Gideon Bible on the floor. In a distracted sort of way, I picked it up, and I started to read, and old familiar words I had learned as a child, words of life, quick and powerful, leaped out of those pages and found their way into my heart. I fell to my knees, I spread the Bible upon the chair, and I made a vow that I would not leave that hotel room If I died of starvation, until there came into my soul a knowledge that my sins had been forgiven, until I knew that I passed from death unto life. With a surge of joy, I realized that God's promises were even for men like me. And God straightened things out between my wife and me, and today she and I and our four children are back together again. The peace that passes all understanding has loosed the taut nerves and muscles which had prevented normal speech, and God gave me back my voice." Small wonder that there is in my heart a feeling of undying gratitude to the Gideons who have felt the burden to place Bibles in hotel rooms. Praise the Lord, right? Let the Word of God do its work. We've got to get the Word of God out there. 
in our speech. It needs to be seasoned in our speech, in our prayers when we pray, in our conversations, in our songs, in our lives. Let the Word of God speak because the Word of God is alive. It's quick. It's alive. The Word of God is powerful. It is active. I don't like to throw Greek at you guys too much here, but it's kind of interesting. This Greek word behind this word is where we get our English word for energy, right? So think of that kind of domain of meaning here. This word of God is energetic. It's, it's powerful. It's, it's very active. It causes change. Think about words that can speak life into being out of nothing, right? God said, and of us. Can you do that? Ribeye steak. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it, right? Uh, A double-decker house with a three-car garage. An elephant, a giraffe, a rainbow, a star, a planet, a galaxy, a universe. God can speak and things come to be. Now let's talk about word for a second, right? You want to talk about a word that is energetic. God's words breathe and there's life. They speak and there's change. Why would we ever try to hide or put under or cover up God's active, powerful word? That is the power that God's word has and he shares his words with us. Now, I want to remind you this today, and I'm going to be very clear about this. The word of God will bring hope or judgment, but it will not be wasted. This is not penology here. This is the scriptures, all right? Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. Look up on the screen for this. Isaiah writes, he says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word is never used in vain. And so for some... It is the word that brings life, and for some, it is the word that condemns to death. That is not my opinion. That's the absolute true teaching of our Lord. God's words, they're not wasted. Now, a lot of things that I do in my life are vain. I try and work, and I've... There's so many things I would hate to even admit all the things that I've probably done at my work that I thought were going to make a difference and then ended up that wasn't the right path and I had to switch and go a different way. And I'm learning a little bit along the way, but oh boy, so much of what I do is a waste. God's word is never, never wasted. It will bring judgment or it will bring joy, but it will come to pass. It will not uh, be void as Isaiah says there in Isaiah 55. While we should share with each other why the Bible is true, I want you to think about this with me this morning. This is where my heart was really moved last night. The Bible does not really so much need our defense as it does our proclamation. The Bible does not so much need our defense as it does our proclamation. See if I can explain what I'm talking about here, all right? This is from Dr. Carl F. Henry and... 
Uh, just follow along with this and we'll see if we can make it come together. See if Henry says, I remain unpersuaded that any theological movement can dramatically affect the course of the world while its own leaders undermine the integrity of its charter documents. So just to give you a little bit of context, uh, Dr. Henry was really active as a leader in the 50s and 60s, and especially in the 60s here in the States, earlier in, other, in Europe, there was a huge attack on the integrity of the Word of God. A lot of seminaries, a lot of theologians began to pull apart the Bible and say the Bible is not really, uh, it's just a, a man-written document. It's not really an inspired book of God. And this was coming from theologians, right? And so his thing is here, well, how can a theological movement have great impact while its leaders undermine the integrity of its own documents, right? That doesn't really make sense too much. But look at what he says next. Or while its spokespersons domestically exhaust all their energies in eternal, internal defense of those documents. But at the same time, what was happening was there's a whole group of people who were spending every energy they could to write documents and essays and have seminars to say why the Word of God is inerrant, why it was without error in its original uh, autographs, in its original documents. And all these people were having to spend all this time trying to say, this is why the Word of God is true. So they were just fighting, fighting for that. But look at what he, how he ends this quote. He says, the Bible stands impressively unshaken by the fury of destructive critics, while the non-believing world itself, marked for destruction, urgently needs to hear its singular message of salvation. You know what one of the greatest evidences for the word of God being true? Preach it and watch it change the lives of people who hear it. I should get a mic and drop it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Do you, find, you get it? Like you can have all these people, whether they're a believer or not believer, who are saying, well, the word of God is really not foundation. It's not really true. It's, it's flawed. It's, maybe it's true in spiritual matters, not scientific matters, blah, 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 all that stuff. And you can have a whole bunch of other people say, oh, I got to argue against this. Let me fight against this in here. And it's good to know these things, but to spend all their time continually battling this other group of people while there's a whole world of people that just needs to hear the message. And if they hear it and it enters their heart, it does its work and everybody stands back and says, whoa, what happened? It was the word of God. It is true. <laughs> That's how you prove it. You don't have to prove it by all these fancy arguments and seminars and all this stuff, you prove it when you let it do its work. That's what we need to do. In our homes, in our own hearts, with our families, in our workplaces, we need to let the Word of God do its work. And then people will know and they'll see, oh, wait a minute, there's something to that Bible because that person's living it and look what's happened in their life. All right, God's Word is alive. God's Word is active or powerful. God's word is sharp. Be careful here. You might want to leave before I finish this part of the message. <laughs> God's word is sharp. It can point to the difference between right and wrong and every single shade of gray. It understands, the scripture teaches us, the difference between soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Does anybody here want to debate the difference today between soul and spirit? Have a really good comprehension on that? What it's saying is down to that most minute level, the Word of God can differentiate. Uh, joints and marrow, where is the joint and the marrow? Where do they 
clash? Where's that exact line at? The Word of God can, can do that. Can you hear me closely this point? I want you to pay attention because I don't want any misunderstanding. Everything is not always black and white. Wait a minute. Did I just hear a conservative Baptist preacher say everything is not always black and white? Get that guy off the stadium, right? Off the stage. <laughs> well, what we know when we study the scriptures is that sometimes God instructs us in different contexts to do different things. This very week, as I'm reading the Bible in 1 Samuel, David is instructed the Lord on one hand to go and fight. And in the very same chapter, he's instructed on the other hand to go and run away. So what should we do? Should we fight or should we run away? It depends. And that's what I mean when I say everything is not black and white. Okay? But listen here, listen up close to what I'm saying this morning. Everything is not always black and white, but with the word of God and prayer, every decision can be dissected so that we know what God would have us to be or to do. That can be known. Did you hear that? I don't think you heard it. Every decision through the word of God and prayer can be dissected so that we know not only what to do, but who to be. And that's why the Word of God is so important. And in that way, everything can be for or against the will of God. God's Word can help you judge and discern your thought life and even your motives. And we're going to look at that in just a second here, a little bit more detail. So here's a few things I have for you to consider for this week. Look at these things and maybe see if one of those jumps out at you and we work on that this week. First thing, meditate on the Word, all right? If you guys will pray for your preacher, the Lord has really worked in my heart that I need to do better with my kids that they're gone away. I don't know, somewhere I had this in my head that once they left my house, I did my job and everything should be done, right? Is that what you found, Todd? <laughs> Todd's like, no. <laughs> and so the Lord has challenged me to try to speak into my kids' lives. So what I'm trying to do is to actually start to share on a daily basis with my kids what I'm getting from God's Word. You pray that I can be faithful in that. And that begins with meditating on that Word. Live out the word. What good is if you know all the stories, if you memorize the scriptures, if you don't live it? Right? This week, look to live out the word that you know. Memorize the word. How can you live out what you don't know? Right? You need to fill your heart and your mind with the Word of God so that you can know it. And then know the Word. Not just know it in your head, but know it experientially. Have it applied to situations in your life where you understand it. And then ultimately share it. Share the Word. And so I want to challenge you again today. What are you doing with this living, powerful, sharp sword of God? Now, I would tell you today that if I were to get into a real sword fight with a real fencer, they would destroy me in a matter of seconds because I do not know how to use that kind of a sword. But I would also pray today with the Lord's help that if you came at me with uh, fake news, if you will, about the scriptures, that I could dissect that because I'm trying to live and understand the word of God. You should have seen the eyes of my kids today Whenever we were in class, they were just rambling and talking and they were just going all over the place. And I pulled out $1 bill and all of a sudden everything got quiet. <laughs> and the, the, you guys heard the illustration probably a hundred times, but how do, how's a teller spot a counterfeit bill? What do they do? What do they tell you? They know the real thing, right? 
when you handle the real thing enough, when the fake thing comes along, you're like, oh, what is this? It steps out against you, right? And that's the same thing today in our walk with the Lord. If we're handling the real thing enough, when the devil tries to throw things in us that are lies and non-truths, like, wait a minute, boom, something's not right here. <laughs> we may not always know right, what it is right away, but we know something's not right because we know what the real thing is. I challenge you, get to know your divine weapon. Use it well. All right, this last little section, let's finish this up, and then let's talk about this idea of thoughts and intents, and let the Lord speak to your heart. Nothing is hidden from God. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Read that again and hear that in your heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. No injustice, no act of compassion, no sin. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I would say this with all the gravity that I could bear up today. You will give an account to God. I, th- I feel like I need to say it to every person's name in this room right now. And, and the preacher too. You will give an account to God. What did you do with what he gave you? Nothing is hidden. And that's why we need the Word of God. Because the Word of God can scour our thoughts and our motives and our life and can help us line up so that when that day comes and we give an account, we don't have to be afraid and disappointed and scared and sad. We can be excited because we let the Word of God do its work on us before we had to give an account. But you will and I will give an account. God knows you. There's not a thing that is hidden from Him. You can enter a life of rest, but you must work at a life of faith and avoid unbelief and disobedience. That's the whole point of so far in Hebrews from the author. God's word will help you know yourself like God knows you if you will let it. So my question to you this morning is, are you letting God's word examine the thoughts of your heart? If you never read it, is it examining your thoughts or your motives? No, you've got to read it. You might hear it in song, you might see it on a meme online, but you need to be reading the Word of God and let it do its work so that it can do the work it needs to do. Let me ask you this a little bit probing question. Again, I'm not asking you to raise your hand and give me an answer, but what have you been thinking about lately? What is in your mind lately? What's that returning thought? Do you guys know what a returning thought is? It's like, oh, I'm going to do dinner, and I sit down, and I start thinking about this. Oh, I might get online and watch a little TV, and then it gets quiet, and then I think about this. I keep returning to this thought. And is it a good thing? Is it an uplifting thing? Is it a temptation? Is it an anxiety? What is that returning thought today? What have you been thinking about lately? And here's, here's what I want to really hit you with. What would God's Word say about what you've been thinking about? It could be wonderful. It could be good. It could be an a, a encouragement that you're thinking about the right things. But God's word judges between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And if you let God's word do its work, it will tell you about your thoughts. Are your thoughts today filled with anger, hatred, or bitterness? 
Boy, I hope not. I hope you're not in that place. But if they are, God's word will expose it and will help you defeat those thoughts that are challenging you. Are your thoughts filled with malice or envy or lust? Are those your thoughts? And again, if God's word will expose them, if you will put yourself into his word. Are your thoughts filled with nonsense, useless, trivial information or trivial stories? That's a challenge for me. It's easy to be entertained in this generation, isn't it? Wow. You could sit and watch your life a hundred lifetimes in useless entertainment. What's the word of God say to you? Are your thoughts filled with compassion, admirable and praiseworthy things? What does the Bible say about your thoughts? Well, you knew this was coming if you know the scriptures. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's the challenge, isn't it, right? Fill your mind with these kinds of things. And again, the word of God just says, let me judge the thoughts of your heart. And the way it does it is you have to give yourself to it. You have to expose yourself to it. Let God's word judge your thoughts today. Let me give you an even more, probably a harder one, at least for me, for the preacher. Will you let God's word try your motives See, motives are tricky because people can look at your actions and think you're a beautiful, amazing, wonderful person, but God knows your motives, right? Yeah. Why did you today, I have a few things here just to think about, and again, I just want you to ponder with me this morning a little bit. Why did you come to church? Well, I come to church because people get to hear me talk. Right? That's a pretty good job. If you like talking and you like to be heard, that's why you come, right? I hope not. Why'd you come to church? So that somebody somewhere you wouldn't feel guilty because you knew somebody's going to be on your case if you didn't show up? Because you made a promise to a friend some time ago and you said, Well, I'll go to church. Why'd you come? If you're having even a little doubt about your motives, guess what? The Word of God can show you and expose what your real motive is for any of these things. Why did you help a friend? Hopefully just to be helpful. Hopefully because you love them. But sometimes we help in order to receive something in return, don't we, right? God's word will expose our motives there, right or wrong. Either way, that's the thing. I hope you hear me today. God's word will not only expose a wrong motive, but God's word will expose a right motive. So be encouraged in that. When you're reading the scripture and you're trying to do what's right and God's word will open up your heart and realize, wait a minute, I did do that with the right motives. I am pleasing my father. That's what I want to do. (laughs) It's not always the negative. A lot of times it's the positive. It's that reassurance that I'm doing and going the way that I need to go. Why did you give that money? What was your motive? Why did you help the homeless person? What was your motive? Why did you console that person? Right, consolation can be tricky, can it? Maybe you guys don't follow the preacher much, but a lot of times when you're in a caregiving position and you're trying to be a good listener, it's a very scary thing 
Because you can find yourself in a position where you are listening to someone's deepest hurts and you can have an attachment, an emotional attachment, and things kind of grow where they shouldn't be growing. You have to be really careful. And some people go too far and they console because they are looking to get to further place in the relationship than they should be. What is your motive? What is your intent? God's word can dissect these things. All right. Today, very simply, and I hope, hopefully clearly, are you truly seeking God's glory and your joy, or are you just seeking your glory and your pleasure? The Bible will dissect your thoughts and your motives if you will let it. If you will let it. Are you praying, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done? Or are you praying, let my kingdom come and my will be done? God, here's what I want. Give it to me. Or are you praying, God, here's what you want. I want to be a part of it. That's tough, isn't it, right? God's word will help you with that. Let the living word of God expose those areas which need to be corrected and help you celebrate those areas that do not need correction. Again, it's not just the negative, it's the positive as well. And here's the quote today. This is what I wanted to really set you off with today. God's word is the only real path to knowing ourselves as God does. That's a little bit deep. Think about that for a second. Do you want to really know yourself? The word of God will expose who you are before the creator. And that will tell you who you are. Some of us, we don't like to look at ourselves too deeply, right? Because then it kind of gets a little uglier sometimes, doesn't it? (laughs) The thing is that God's word not only exposes it, but it also provides a path for reconciliation and healing and forgiveness and correction and edification and making us what we are supposed to be. So it's not just that, oh, here's the ugly parts of your life, but it also says, here's how we can fix that. Here's what the Lord can do with that. And that's why the word of God is so important. God's word is the only real path to knowing yourself as God knows you. All right, just a few quick scriptures about rest, and then we're going to finish for the day. Psalm 37, 7 says this, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Don't worry about the other guy. Rest in the Lord. Jeremiah 6, 16, thus says the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where's the good way? And walk therein and you shall find what? This is so good. You shall find rest. Does that sound familiar? Stand in that path and that good way. Walk therein. And that's where there's rest. That's why we have the Bible. It shows us where to go. And that rest we want to enter, the path is there. Oh, wait a minute. This sounds like something Jesus said. I quoted it to you last week. Come unto to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And what does it say again? You shall find rest unto your souls. Does that sound familiar? We just read that, right? But that was in the Old Testament. This is Jesus speaking that same truth. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, you have this picture of working for rest. But the right work is the way to find rest. So I challenge you again this morning. Are you working out a life of faith that you may enter the rest of God? Last week we said encourage each other. This week we say meditate on God's word. And next week I'm going to say get to know your high priest. Oh boy, so good. D.L. Moody, a quote from him, he says this. He said, I prayed for faith and I thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like 
lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by (laughs) the word of God. And I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. You guys, T.L. Moody was probably the greatest evangelist of the 1800s. And what did he say he was doing? He was letting the word of God do its work in his heart. Right? Man, we just need to let God's word do its work. Will you make a commitment today to let the word of God do its work in you this week? That's my challenge, all right? You guys, we're going to do something uh, on the first and last Sundays of every month this year. We're going to try, and I want to make sure that you know this aware, and then you can help share with others, especially with visitors and things. At the end of, after services are dismissed and our prayers are dismissed, uh, the preacher, anybody else that wants to, is going to be hanging out just a little bit longer on those Sundays. And if you ever want to talk about something that you heard from the pulpit, but you didn't have a respond to, uh, a chance to respond to it, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Okay? And so I know everybody's got plans and you got lunch and you got places to, to go and stuff to do. But on that first and last Sunday of the month, if you ever just want to talk about stuff, and it can be anything, but especially if it relates to what we were talking about in here, we want to give you that opportunity. And we talked about that this summer in our Wednesday night Bible study. We were, thought we would try to make that available to people this year. And so we'll see what happens there. Let's stand this morning. And what I would like for you to do is to really decide, are you going to let God's word do its work in you this week? If you're not reading your Bible on a daily basis today, would you make that commitment? Hear me out. Make that commitment. It's like any other commitment. It takes discipline. It takes a habit, but it can definitely be done. And for a Christian, it's the only way to know yourself and to be what God wants you to be. Make that commitment today to do that. Then also today, I would have you, as you're sitting there praying, I'm going to go play here in just a second. Would you let that word of God begin to do its work on your thoughts and your motives? right? What is that returning thought that keeps coming back? Is it pleasing to the Lord? If it is, celebrate and thank the Lord for his grace and encouragement there. If that returning thought that keeps coming back to you is temptation or struggle, then today would you offer that to the Lord and say, Lord, judge that thought in my heart and help me make right there. Today, if you've got some motives that the Lord is challenging you about and you're like, oh, I'm not sure about my motives in this situation. Again, let the Lord do his work through his word in your heart today and pray that we can be what we need to be. Ultimately this week, I want you to take that word of God out of this place, all right? And we can argue with all of the naysayers and the atheists, the agnostics, all we want. But what will really make an impact is when we let the living word of God touch the lives of people. And when they respond, there will be enough evidence there for people who would see it that God's word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. All right, let's pray.